0: Before we get into today's episode of the podcast, I want to tell you about a product I've been using frequently, and a product that is used by professional running team Tin Man Elite and teams in the NFL, NBA, and NCAA. The product is called 2 Before, and it is made from the incredible benefits of blackcurrants. If you guys are unfamiliar with blackcurrants, they're antioxidant berries that are grown in New Zealand. The two biggest benefits, in my opinion, from consuming them regularly and using this product too before is it increases your endurance as well as kickstarts your recovery. So during sessions, I feel stronger, my endurance feels improved, but also after the workout, I feel more recovered, less sore, less tired, so that I can hit the next training session harder than I normally would be able to. I absolutely love to before, I love this product. Perhaps my favorite study uh, that I I've seen shows that using two before consistently can improve athletic performance by 4.6% which is truly remarkable and it's made from three simple ingredients so there's no junk in it you guys can get 30% off your order today at two before that is the number two before.com using my code the running effect 30 again that is the running effect 30 not only does this get you 30% off but it also gets you free shipping I've left a link in the show notes to go directly to their website or you guys can go to 2before.com. Again, that is The Running Effect 30 to get 30% off and free shipping today. Hey friends, just a quick note before we hop into today's conversation with double ncaa champion kai robinson many of you listening right now have not given us a follow and a five-star review on spotify or apple podcasts and because you're already listening to this it will take you between five and ten seconds to hit those two buttons so i'd greatly appreciate you doing that so that we can grow the show and then something all of you guys can do is share today's episode or the podcast in general with someone who you think would find value and benefit from it that way we can reach more people, and hopefully inspire them in the process. But without further ado, I hope you all enjoy my inspiring conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, Kai Robinson. Kai Robinson, welcome back to the Running Effect podcast. An absolute pleasure to have you on today.
1: Thanks for having me again. Pleasure to be back.
0: It's funny to think about how last time and the only time you've been on the podcast, I want to say it was like a few days before you left for Australia for cross country. And it's weird to think a few months later, it's like, full full steam ahead for track and it's just funny how you know your cross-country season went so late and last time we were talking you were headed off to australia now you're in switzerland so we just never record <laughs> when we're in the same time zone
1: yeah i mean things things have changed a little bit since since that last podcast so you know we've had we've had some downs we had some ups and hopefully it can be more ups from here Do you feel like
0: doing the World XC Championships set you up well for a really successful outdoor track season, or was it a little hard to kind of get into the swing of things after such a long, you know, cross-country season?
1: I'm not too sure if it necessarily, like, benefited me. I know it didn't have that effect on indoors. It sort of threw threw that out the window a little bit. I thought, thought I'd be fine to bounce back, and things obviously didn't go the way I hoped in Albuquerque, but... You know, you, you take those losses, you move on. I mean, outdoors, I have no complaints. I feel like everything everything just about went how I wanted it to go. So, yeah, no, no complaints at all.
0: Let's talk about the indoor season a little bit. Uh, both you and Charles kind of had a rough go at it, and you both spoke openly about it, and that was something I enjoyed talking to Santos about from a coaching perspective. I'm curious to hear your take on the indoor season. How do you bounce back from a setback where – the workouts are going well, the training is going well, but the racing isn't quite there. How do you kind of keep your head up going into the outdoor season after a tough go indoors?
1: I mean, it's pretty tough because, you know, usually we have one of our guys who we can sort of just go to and someone, someone's someone got to have a good race. And, I mean, after cross country, that was Charles. And, you know, we couldn't, I couldn't be down there because we had to celebrate his win. Like, it was a huge, huge feat. But after indoors, it was kind of like, Oh, we I, we all kind of got smoked here. Like the guys, the guys are down in the dumps and it's like, where we're like, okay, that's motivation to be better. You know, we got a job to do. We didn't perform it in indoors. Let's go, let's go set things right in outdoors. And so we had, we had that vendetta, that, that vengeance that we were seeking for, for outdoors to, to get things right.
0: What are some of the biggest things you did between indoors and outdoors to make some of those shifts that you thought were necessary to, you know, get the results you were looking for?
1: I don't necessarily know if there was much of a, much of a change. I mean, you know, training, training stays the same. Obviously this time we were able to build upon indoor, whereas last time, you know, we had a little break after cross country and then started the rebuild. And I feel like indoors I was racing just about every week. And so, you know, sat down, sat down with Rick and planned out the whole season, where we were going to race and what was, what was going to be our goals. And so I remember basically like we had all these different plans and like we went through one plan worked, went through the next one plan didn't work, but you know, we, we get up, we move, we move on. And from there, I think every single little thing went my way. Like training was going great. It was something where, I'd see a workout, like I'd be, I'd be centered and I'm like, Oh, this looks tough. Like we're going to be struggling here. And so, you know, I mentally prepare for that workout and then we go out there and it was, it was like a piece of cake. And so we're like, Oh, okay. Well, if that's, if that's what we're seeing and we're feeling like this and we're in, we're in good shape, you know, we can, we can do something special and. Rest is history.
0: <laughs> Literally. Was there a, a workout or race that gave you that confidence back after the indoor season? Like early season, was there a race you did or a particular workout that you left the track, you left the meet, and you were like, We're back, baby?
1: I'd probably say Brian Clay. It didn't it didn't go my way. We had I think Stanford Invite ten K where that was just basically go out, get a regionals qualifier and it felt like we were jogging. We somehow dipped under twenty eight minutes, so I can't I can't really complain there, like but that's I feel like I can I can almost do that whenever it's not really like indicative of hey, I'm in the best shape of my life. And then so Brian Clay, we go down there, I was going down there to basically chase a world standard. I was told we're getting pace for about thirteen ten, thirteen thirteen and paces started doing sixty sixes, which is thirteen forty five pace and- <laughs> after I think it was like 2.4 K they dropped it off and I was just like, okay, well, world standards out the window now. Like I'm not, I'm not Jakob. I can't, I can't kick down this, this fast. And so basically just jogged the rest of that race and was, was kind of frustrating. I said to my coach, like, Hey, can I do a workout tomorrow? Like I, I want to get more out of this weekend. And he was a little bit iffy on it. He was like, Oh, I'm not too sure. But, he said I could pace pace of 1500 the next night. I'm like, okay, let me, let me do it. And so I went out and boy, it, it's tough. I feel like, like, I know I've ran 355 or 356, 356. I think it was in a mile. And you know, I, I went out and I was pacing through a kilometer and I was, I was starting to hurt and I was told I was pacing 800 meters and then on the start line, starter says oh he's going through 1k i'm like oh geez i didn't i didn't know that like that's, that's a little bit of a surprise to me and you know i didn't drink any caffeine like i obviously warmed up for it because i, I want to get these guys through seriously especially after the paces didn't do necessarily what i wanted the night before and so you know went out and i pushed it and i was like dropped off the track at 1k i'm like whoa that that felt tough but you know if i if i've got that speed and i can like maintain it, maintain that over to to a 5k then I know i'll be good for the rest of the season
0: i think there were a few times during the season that you did 15s and i could be wrong here but i think you may have even done the 15 at pac 12s uh take me through kind of the unique mindset shift where a few months previous as we were just talking about you were in cross country mode you know a lot of 8k's a lot of 10k's a lot of uh, random cross-country courses that Australia makes you know running around tires hurtling hay barrels all that fun stuff so was it kind of nice to not even from like a time perspective but just from like a competition perspective nice to change things up and kind of get out of what you're best at
1: yeah I think so and I mean I hadn't raced a 1500 in college yet so you know I hadn't, I hadn't done one since high school and so it was something where last year we'd planned on and then a little little calf injury popped up for a week and We sort of canceled it but this year we're like hey let's go do it and we always have this big talk around big meet our dual meet against cal and they've got a really good 1500 guy who's who beat us beat us last year and i was like coach put me in like i'm not losing to this guy i know i know he's the 1500 specialist but i'm i'm wanting to back myself against him and so after a little bit of persuasion coach basically put me in all four distance events it big me because we were allowed to basically drop out of whatever one, whatever one we wanted because it's only a dual meet; it's not a professional thing where there's an honest effort rule enforced. And so, and ended am doing the 1500 and the 8 there, and I managed to close, I think, in a 54, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And I beat, I beat the cow guy in both the 15 and the 8, and I'm like, "Okay, that's that's promising." And so we had the talk again with my coach, and we're like, let's, let's go do it. Pac-12. Was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna double there, but I don't want to do a 5K, 10K double, and don't want to ever do a steeple again. <laughs> and so my only option was the, the 15, 15-5 double. And so the 15, it's obviously first rounds, and then finals, and then the 5K. And if you know the Pac-12, Washington's in there, so <laughs> they've got more than enough 1,500 miler guys. And it was nice to compete against some of those names. And I mean, I dropped a 52 at the end of the final and ended up in second to Nathan Green. And I remember going up to him afterwards and I'm like, man, how'd you do that? Like, that's that's got to win like NCAAs. And lo and behold, 1,500-meter champion ends up being Nathan Green. So kudos to him.
0: Kai, something I do want to talk about is you, you made a joke about the steeple not wanting to do it again. But if we you know, go back in time in the history books, freshman year, not only was this steeple something you did, but you broke Stanford's 17-year-old school record and you ran 832.01, which is remarkable for a freshman. Take me behind the shift of not wanting to do this chase anymore because those who were fans of you freshman year, I'm sure were like, oh, this is going to be his event for the rest of his life.
1: Obviously, you came in here. I think I was basically recruited as a steeplechase guy. That was probably my best mark coming out of high school. And, you know, I enjoyed it. It was something where it's like, hey, it's fun. You know, it's it's different from your standard just running around a track. And so, went into it freshman year. Did my first one, PR'd. Second one, PR'd. And then, I think it was my third one. I, I tripped. It was at Pac-12s. And tripped at USC. And got stepped on in the face and opened up a pretty big gash. That's left some, some nice scars on, on the left side of my face. And so after that, it was a little bit tough. I was like starting to, we had regionals two weeks later, so I didn't really have time to stop and you know like mentally, mentally prepare for the next one. But we had regionals and I think I stepped on just about every single barrier. Cause I was, I was too scared to hurdle them anymore. And so managed to just qualify in like the last fifty meters I overtook a BYU guy and then went on to nationals and somehow finished sixth in, you know, the the world class field. And I remember thinking, like, hey, I think I'm one of two freshmen here, like this is gonna be a pretty pretty big big event for me and I was almost like, oh, okay, we can, we can make like a little rivalry out of myself and the other, the other freshmen here and, you know, get something, get something going that can last the next three years. And so I really thought like, man, maybe the steeples is my event, but I remember thinking as well, like I got that, I got that like PTSD from getting stepped on in the face and getting 27 stitches. So I was also like looking for a way, looking for a way out and Next season comes around. I guess it's cross country. I remember talking to one of my teammates, Josh, and he was like, "Hey, like, I think you're good enough to get away from the steeple and into the flat stuff." And I was like, "Oh, okay. Like, I like the sound of that." And I feel like I really like put my head down, and started to like focus from that moment on. And any any chance of getting away from the steeple was was the goal. And so I remember having the conversation with my coach during indoors and. I like said, like, Hey, like, I don't want to do the steeple anymore. And he said something about you have to run 1320 in the 5K to, to get out of it. And I'm like, Oh, okay. That's never going to happen. Like my PR was 1351. Like that's, that, that's an insane improvement. And then we go out to Washington and I suddenly run 1321 and win my first like proper collegiate race. I was like, Oh, hold up. Like, <laughs> how did that just happen? Like. Where did that come from? And I remember the coach was like, that's not 1320, though. That's that's a second off. <laughs> we didn't have any more 5Ks in the in the schedule until NCAAs. And lucky for me, Kiptu to, Kip to likes to take things out and end up running 1320 on the dot. And so, you know, I said to my coach, like, hey, no more steeples now. And I don't think he was too happy about it, but, you know, finished second NCAAs that year in indoors. So... It's not like he was mad, but it was it was kind of funny that he sort of threw that threw that out there as a joke and ended up ended up doing it. So I ended up running two steeples that that season to to get points at Big meet and then pack twelves and this season I'm like, hey, let's let's not do that. Like I know I know I can score a lot of points in it, but I also wanted to focus on focus on the flat stuff and I feel like if I start to do too many events, then it almost takes away from the one you're really focusing on. And so that was nice that I didn't have to do much steeple stuff. And we got we got some of the freshmen running it now. So we'll see if they stick with it or if it's a one and done type thing.
0: Will we ever see a return to the steeplechase or no?
1: Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. One of my one of my one of my friends from from high school, I was pretty competitive with him running back in the day and he just ran 833 he goes to providence and i'm like oh i can't i can't let him beat me so maybe 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 i'll have to hop back in i don't think he knows he knows that i'm that competitive but <laughs> yeah, all we'll I, all,
0: I'm, all i'm saying is you've improved so much as a runner and as an athlete since you ran that 832 i'd just be curious to see how fast you could go in the event uh, because I feel like you've gotten so much better, so who knows? We'll we'll put a question mark around it and, and see if you return to it. But you're doing fine without it. So absolutely, you you go into NCAA's. Take me behind the decision to do the five k, ten k double specifically in Austin. You know, the the heat's not going to wait for no one, uh, and it's going to make it way more brutal than it normally would be. W- was there ever a conversation about putting all of your eggs in one basket, or did you always want to do the five k, ten k double with Charles?
1: There's obviously the conversation. I mean, I'd qualified in the fifteen, the five and the ten. And so I talked to Coach, I'm like, he said, look, you you did one event last year and I think you can do two this year. Like, I think you're good enough to be able to double back. Like, yeah, the five K I'd argue is my event. Like that's that's what I want to focus on. But it's something where I could do something in addition to that. And so we basically sat down, and talked, and we're like, "Hey, look, that 10K at the start of the season—like, you're in you're in better shape than you were then—and that was that was pretty easy for you. So, we basically, decided let's let's do a 10-5 double and you know go after it. Yeah, you won't be fresh for the five, but that just adds to the fun. And so, yeah, ended up ended up doing both. You know, it's something where. I didn't necessarily fancy myself in the 10k. I was like, oh, this is probably the deepest field as ever been in in the 10k, and you know, any anything you can take out of this will be great.
0: Speaking of you saying it was the deepest field in history, can you maybe speak more to that aspect of just? where we're at in distance running. I mean, it's at all stages. We see it in high school. You know, four high school guys broke four in the same race this year, which is just unbelievable. Uh, We see it on the college scene with you guys, and then we see it on the professional scene. So I feel like in every level of the sport, it's being elevated. But can you speak to the NCAA side of things? And going on that 10K line and looking to your right and your left, and each guy has some incredible accomplishment or time to their name.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not just like individuals too. You know, we always get that once in a generation runner who comes through and breaks all the records but right now it's almost like the whole generation is coming through and breaking records together and so it's something where I feel like the NCAA high school running professional running is just getting deeper and deeper over time and so it's a little bit frustrating but at the same time you know it's you have to welcome it it's good for the sport like we want we want more competitiveness and if it if it keeps coming you know bring it on let's let's get everyone to to new heights
0: if i would have talked to you let's see i'm forgetting the days i think um for the men it was wednesday and friday uh the 10k was on wednesday 5k was on friday if i would have talked to you on tuesday and said hey kai you're going to win both the 10k and 5k would you have believed me
1: not at all i mean it was something where i think after the 10k like it's just shock like you walk around afterwards and you're like, I just did that. Like, I'm, I'm going to wake up at any moment now. I remember saying that in interview, like it still felt like a dream and you know, especially the 10 K. I mean, even Charles, like I train with that guy every day and you know, he's, he's, you know, pumping me in some workouts and I'm, I'm beating him in others. And so, it's something where in a 10k I feel like he's got that strength he's he's gonna get me over that that last mile but you know if you were if you were to tell me hey you're gonna you're gonna beat him I probably wouldn't have believed you yet alone you know the rest rest of that field
0: take me through the race itself and the different moves that are made and ultimately you crossing the finish line in first
1: um I mean the first the first part of the race is pretty boring like I know we went out um pretty fast for a ten K. I was like, Oh we're in Austin and we're going out, I think it was like sixty sixes was taken by uh, James Moore, that was it. Um, and I'm like, Oh, okay. I thought I thought this might be a little bit more of a sit for the first bit, like unless one person goes out, then you know, nothing's gonna happen. So I just tried to make my way towards the front. I found Dylan Jacobs and Casey Klinger and I basically slotted in right between those guys and I was like, this is a perfect spot. Like I've got two of the biggest names here and I can pay attention to each of them. And so keep going around. I remember Isai um pulls up to Casey and I and basically like tries to like point to you know be let in. And I remember both of us saying like no, you're not you're not getting in here. Like we're we're happy. And next thing I know he's at the front of the pack pushing the pace. I'm like, oh Maybe I should have just let him in. Um <laughs> But you know, things things keep clocking through and we get to two K a mile to go and the pace still hasn't really picked up, like we're still running sixty eights. And I look around and there's I wanna say a group of like nine of us. Like, oh okay, like we're in we're in scoring. We're in scoring contention here, like let's let's do this and we get to eight hundred meters to go and no one's made a move yet, and it's almost like everyone everyone's waiting for someone to go and I remember thinking like man the the longer I leave this the the better it is for me and so I feel like i I can outkick them in a in a short sprint, but if they if they drag it out from far then then I might start hurting and so five hundred meters to go, I remember just thinking I was at the back of the pack. I was starting to struggle and I was like, Hey, you're never gonna get a better chance to win nationals than right now. Like, it's never never gonna be served to you on this platter. And I remember making my moves to the front and not looking back. I was just like, You just gotta go. Work the arms, you know, start start driving, get get the turnover going. And I remember getting two hundred meters to go and I could feel feel Charles starting to starting to latch onto me and I'm like, Oh no, like We've been through this in so many training sessions. Like you can, you can get, you can get them in a two hundred meters. That's, that's all this is. And you know, one hundred and fifty meters to go. There's just time starts like slowing down almost, and all these thoughts come, come through your mind. And it's like, man, it's it's just it's just us. Like it's, it's the two of us. And so, eighty meters to go. I. I thought of like Stanford invite last year in a 5k. It was basically identical situation. I was like you got this like just just keep pumping those arms and things things will work out. Things will work out for themselves. And so, you know, Charles ends up fatiguing a little bit earlier than I do and it was it was shock as as I went over that line I was I was like man, I didn't I didn't I didn't prepare any ce- celebrations. So just outstretched the arms and yeah, took it all in and saw Charles right right behind me, crossing that line in second place and so it was it was a real dream come true to go one and two with him.
0: I don't know why, it kinda reminded me of have you seen the movie Gladiator? I have. Yeah. Okay. And when he's in the arena and he stretches out his arms, he's like, are you not entertained? That's kind of what it reminds <laughs> me of. <laughs> so I, I approved of the celebration as like normal as it was. I thought a gladiator. So,
1: okay, sweet. I'll, I'll take that.
0: <laughs> and then what was more cool, I thought was you look around, you look behind you and I jokingly, I was sitting with uh, some, some bigger people in the sport in the stands. And I joked with them. I'm like, you would have thought he could have run like another four laps with the way he was jumping up and down. I'm like, (laughs) he was going for like a gym session right after. Uh, so you look at, you look back, you see Charles places second behind you and immediately like you hop up and down and you embrace him. Uh, and you could just tell, you could see the raw emotion through that. So can you speak to that feeling of, I mean, you guys train, very hard and you've trained very hard for a very long time for moments like these. So what does it mean to have a moment like this happen after years of dreaming on the track to make this come to fruition?
1: The whole jumping around, I feel like that's, that's just the adrenaline speaking. Like if there was another lap, I don't necessarily know if I had another hundred meters. Like, I feel like I, I time my move to perfection in that 10 K and you know, you look back, you see your best friend right right next to you and so you know it's just like pure elation and so you know the embrace everything it's just that that feeling of like we did it like hey we've we've had these tough moments but we've had these great moments together too and it's something where we'll be able to look back on this the rest of our lives and you know remember that what what an outstanding you know time we had together and as you said like we work Work so hard together in training and you know it's not just the two of us it's like our whole team and so being able to to share that moment with him is something special
0: more of a a fun practical question that i'm just personally curious about so austin obviously very very hot and in the 90s a lot of the days um i think probably like in the 80s by race time when the sun's down needless to say you wore long socks with your spikes both days what are you thinking, man? I mean, I was I was sweating just looking at it.
1: Um. So I mean, the first day, I was I was planning on wearing socks just because, you know, I'd I'd worn spikes similar to that before, and they tear up my heel a little bit. Or at least the last ones I did. not So I was like, oh, I don't really want to put like any like tape or like blister pads around it. Let's just let's just go for plain simple white white socks like the crew cut socks and so you know i I felt good i i was like yeah it's probably going to be a little bit warm but at least it'll it'll keep my feet in good shape you know protect them from anything that could happen in the race and i mean after the race they were completely fine i was like wow like i was expecting it to you know minimize the amount of blisters i got but it completely it i got none and so i was like okay this is spectacular like who, who would have thought? And then I got I got a few messages on Instagram saying like, "Yo, where'd you get your socks from?" Like the fit looked fire, and so I was like, "Huh, you know, if if these guys like it, maybe maybe I'll bring it back for the five k." And so because of because of like two or three people on Instagram DMs, <laughs> I was like, "Let's let's run it back." And yeah, it was hot. I'm like, who cares? Like, it's gonna be hot regardless.
0: Was it the same pair of socks or a different pair for the five k, ten k? It was.
1: It was a different pair. Okay, but I mean, same, I've I have like a pack of five, so just grab one of the other pairs. I
0: was about to say if it was the same pair, those got to go up on like the Hall of Fame Yeah. <laughs> The 5K, I want to talk about the 5K now uh, specifically because I feel like the race was definitely played out way differently than the 10K. The 10K was more honest. The 5K was kind of a jog fest the first two miles. And I personally expected, you know, Mora or an isai type thing from the 10K to happen where someone strings out the pack. It didn't really end up happening till a mile to go, which is pretty late in the race to leave it, at least for a 5K. So take me through this one. And uh, were you personally surprised by the absolutely slow pace uh, that was the 5K. I mean, I feel like you guys have done tempo runs at that pace before for 10 miles. Like, the first mile was, like, in the 440s.
1: Yeah, I mean, the 5K this year, for me, it was probably the most unpredictable, you know, race going into it. I remember, you know, you talked to your coach the day before, and he, like, sat down with us. He's like, hey, have you guys heard anything, like, any ideas on how the race is going to pan out just before we... We talked tactics, and I remember being like, "I have no idea like how this could play out. We've got so many different you know styles of races in this field, and it almost felt like someone had to take it out, you know 'cause there were so many ten k guys doubling back, and so it'd be it'd be a smart move to to go out there and and push the pace, but i mean any, anything can happen in championship racing and so we get into the race and I was like, let's get to the front. Let's, let's see who wants to take it and we'll work from there." And so, and up going to the front and no one, no one wanted to take it. And so I was like, Hey, let's, let's slow things down and start slowing it down to 72s, which as you said, for us, like we, we do tempo at that pace sometimes. So I was like, Hey, this is, this is nice. And again, no one, no one wants to take it. So I go another lap, and I'm like, let's let's slow down a little bit more. If you guys want, if you guys want to play this game, like I'm, I'm more than happy to play. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily want a fast race. And I remember, like, I ended up getting boxed in by by a few guys, and you know, spat out, spat out. Not at the back, but like halfway through, I was really just like, hey, I don't want to be here. Like, I wanna, I wanna move to the side because I feel like someone's gonna make a move at some point. Like i can't i can't be the one who's going to get antsy and and make a move like i've, I've got a 10k in my legs and so I remember moving to the outside grabbing a water and like taking a sip and thinking oh this water's this water's not cold like it's hot and just dumping it dumping it on my head and making my way back up to the back up to the front and you know found my myself at the front with i think it was a virginia tech guy and i was like hey like I'm not gonna push the pace, but I, I just wanna be here for the ride, like in case in case anyone anyone wants to make a move, like I'll be there to cover it. And I think it was like 2k to a mile to go, Nico starts to pull up to the front, I'm like, oh okay, here we go. Like he's he's gonna be the one to, to make the move. And lo and behold, he does, and he he really makes a move. Like we drop a drop a sixty, I think I dropped a sixty one, but I remember thinking on that sixty one, like man i'm i'm done like i felt great right before right before this and now now that he's injected some of the pace like i don't know if i i don't know if i can do this and i remember he opened up a little bit of a gap to me and some of the guys came around me to bridge that gap because i just wasn't wasn't able to do it and wasn't going to do it and so i remember in that moment thinking if if he can do this, he can make this move from a mile out and start dropping sixties for four laps, like fair game to him, He he deserves to win it. Like there's nothing I can do even if even if I was fresh to cover that in, in this climate. And you know, I'm I'm sitting on the back of this pack of nine and you know when you start counting counting the amount of competitors there that things things aren't probably in their in their best position. And so I remember thinking, hey, there's nine people here, like, let's just score. Like let's get let's get top eight. And next thing I know, like the pack almost starts bunching up again. And it's not like we're slowing down too much, but it's it's enough for me to get a to get a second wind. And we're up with five hundred meters to go. And I thought the exact same thing as a ten K, like, hey, you're in the same position as a ten K, like you're not gonna get a better better chance to do this again. And so we made that move. And I assumed that people went with me. I was like, don't look back that like shows weakness. And it's like a psychological thing to, you know, have if I if I see the person I'm chasing down, look back. I know that's hiring like I, I know I can catch him it gives me like that that extra motivation. So I was like, whatever you do, do not look back like don't show any sign of weakness. We get to 200 meters to go, and I'm just trying to, like, look for any sign of, like, anyone being with me without, without turning back. I'm looking down. I don't see, like, any shadows near me, but the commentator keeps going. It's Kai Robinson and Jackson Sharp in the stadium. And I'm like, oh, no, like, he's, he's got to be, like, right next to me in my blind spot. Like, he's, he's got to be right there. And I know Jackson because he's from Australia. So he's got a pretty, pretty brutal kick. And I'm like, you got to just start going. Got to start going. And just putting my head down again, getting those arms moving. Like everything feels robotic in that last, that last lap. Like it's, it's almost pure grit. And so we get to 60 meters to go. And finally the big screen changes from showing other people in the race to showing the final hundred. And I see it's just me and you know, no one, no one behind me. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's relieving. And it was almost like pure shock because I was like, hey, like they're not going to catch you. Like you got 50 meters to go. Like enjoy the moment. So I remember like it was, it was like a grimace smile as I crossed the line. And I was, I was like, oh no, like I really don't have a celebration for it this time. (laughs) And I remember just like throwing my hands up almost like in shock that, that it happened. And unfortunately, Charles wasn't there to to cross the line with me, but you know, a minute later, like we realized like, hey, we just we just got into third as a team of, you know, five guys, three guys scoring. Like let's hope let's hope none of the teams below us have a four by four. And I remember asking one of the one of the commentators who was like doing an interview with me afterwards, I'm like, hey, like I think it was LSU or something. we i like, do they do they have a four by four? And I remember him saying no. I was like, did the math and I was like, oh it is fifth place have a four by four and he said no and I'm like that means we've cemented like a third third spot finish and it was pure joy and I was like hey like where's the rest of the guys that are here like I want to I want to celebrate this with them and so you know I finally saw them half an hour later for the presentation and it was just more elation
0: what does that whole week mean to you I mean I'm sure it's going to be a week you'll never forget what does it mean to win two NCAA titles not just individually, but as you kind of shared there, build up Stanford as a whole and contribute to, you know, the highest place finish in in quite some time. And to do it with so few guys, I mean, truly remarkable. So what does that mean to you and what are the emotions from it?
1: Yeah, I don't necessarily know if I have words to like describe that feeling. I mean, I said before, like elation is just pure joy. Like we were never seen as someone I feel like who could do this. Like I remember last year NAU, got fourth and indoors and was like, well, like, that's pretty big for, like, a distance program. And I know Stanford's historically a pretty distance-focused program, but we're starting to, you know, diversify that portfolio now. And so to be able to finish third and outdoors, which is a little bit tougher, I mean, that's that's incredible. And so individually, you know, it offers up some – some pretty annoying like possibilities they're like oh like I can't I can't take these but it's nice to nice to know they're being presented and so yeah it's 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 truly like a dream come true for not just me but for everyone everyone who you know works works to be here
0: I'm gonna dig into that a little bit more does this mean Kai Robinson is returning to the farm this fall
1: absolutely yeah um I think I think Rick would probably find wherever I am if I didn't and I'm not gonna say anything, but <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't be in very good running shape after he found me if I didn't come back and you know, I promised him like, Hey, I'm definitely coming back. Like unless unless something crazy happens over the summer where, you know, I go out and win a world title, then I I'll be returning.
0: <laughs> I love it. Oh, that has me so excited. What are the thoughts and feelings after last cross-country season? Does it get you really excited that almost last season wasn't the storybook ending that you guys had hoped for because you get to try again this year? Like, of course, you wanted to win the title last year, and of course, it would be nice to try to go back to back, but does it almost make it all the more special to have those trials and tribulations and in your final season be like, let's do this, let's go after this again?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean things, things didn't go the way I wanted it to go last season. So, you know, I got to focus. I got to try and get that individual aspect up as well to, you know, help the team in the best way that I can. And so it's something where now I'll be able to take motivation and that momentum into the cross country season and really try, you know, put my name out there for Stanford and hopefully we'll have six other guys on the line doing the exact same thing with me and so fingers crossed we can all go home with some some hardware at the end of the day
0: a practical question for you in talking with uh cole on the podcast we were just talking about it was like like conversation to start out an episode and we were talking about nil deals and uh, charles with nike and and different things cole has done and he made it known to me which i didn't know that um you, you'll you have to fill in the details, but like on your passport or visa or something, it basically prohibits you from being able to engage in any NIL deals just because you're from Australia coming over to the US. Is that kind of tough seeing Charles get his NIL deal, like Parker uh, Valby just got an NIL deal and just be like, I mean, just being straight up with you, like, I'm just not getting what I could be right now.
1: I mean, yeah, it's, it's a little bit annoying, but at the same time, like, you know, Charles got it. After his winning cross country, so like he he deserved that. Like it's not something where I'm thinking like, hey, like I deserve it more than these guys. Like it's something where you almost you almost just want the same the same thing. And so there's there's obviously like the visa rules where I'm not allowed to promote any of like this this nil stuff when I'm in when I'm in the US. But it's something where if I'm in a different country, then you know full steam ahead. Like it's it's I think something to do with like taxation rules and like I'm on a student visa, so i'm not I'm not supposed to be working and so you know we're potentially looking at exploring ways to get to get around that like if i if I do something back in Australia, like there no one can stop me from doing that, and it's not gonna affect firstly my eligibility, but secondly my ability to get into the u s and so it's something where i might explore that over the coming months and if not then I'll just have to wait it out and you know there's there's certainly benefits to to both waiting it out and going full steam ahead
0: first diamond league tomorrow how are you feeling about it
1: i don't know it's almost like one of those ones where i've got that pressure coming off ncaa's but it's something where now i'm on the world stage and so a lot of the names in the in the field list as, you know, distracting, distracting the viewers from my name. So there's obviously the nerves that come along with, with racing and one of these, one of these meets, but it's something where I can almost go into it with no fear, like whatever happens happens. And I know the pace is going to be going to be very fast. So we'll see how long I can hang on for and hopefully I can hang on.
0: Is the Stanford kit making an appearance on the, on the diamond lead circuit?
1: it will be. I was I was considering like all the different things I can race and I was like let's just let's just go for let's just go for the plain simple Stanford, you know. It worked for me in Austin, let's let's hope it works for me in Lausanne. And so I've I've brought both the red and the black kit and I think it'll be a game day decision on which one I wear.
0: Is that the first time it's made an appearance on the diamond league circuit? Because I feel like obviously so many different Stanford athletes have competed on the diamond league circuit, but it's almost always been, I think it's always been after they turned pro. Um, so you might make history tomorrow just by showing up on the start line with the with the big tree.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure. I'm, I'm trying to think back, but you know, I can't speak for necessarily like the woman's side has also had so many good you know runners come through so maybe maybe they've got one or two that's been in or even like throwers or jumpers you know stanford's stanford's had a little bit of everything across the track and field years so who know who knows if i'll be the first one someone i'll have to do i have to do some research and find that out
0: i i don't feel bad saying this because it's not going to put pressure on you because this episode will will come out after your race so if it happens it happens if not no one cares <laughs> but uh are you thinking, is the time of Abdi Hamad Nur, his collegiate record, in in your mind at least, uh, just with being in a Diamond League, being in a Pace Diamond League with so many fast guys, does that even cross your mind, or is it more like, let's just compete and the time will be the time?
1: It's something that has definitely crossed my mind. I don't know necessarily know if it's Abdi's record I'm thinking about. It's more just the world standard, which is 1307, and Abdi's 1306 is, is right there too. So it's like, if I get one it's pretty likely that I'll get two. And so it's, it's something where, you know, first focus is that world champ spot. And if, if I get RPD's record, so be it. If not, then, oh, well, maybe we will have another chance down the line.
0: Is there a path towards uh, what's the path towards like the world champs for you? Is it if you get the standard you're for sure on? What's I know I'm just from an American standpoint, I feel like even though our qualifying system is confusing, it's I feel like a little more straightforward than other countries where it's more of a selection based. So, can you speak on your path to Budapest?
1: Yeah, I'm um, I mean, Australia's selection based. We've got I think only Stewie right now is qualifying the five, but I know there's a bunch of other guys who are looking to looking to qualify and race more into the summer and so we'll see we'll see if we can get my rankings up and i'd i'd hope they select me uh i mean i'm a young guy so i've got you know this future ahead of me so they're usually pretty beneficial towards towards the young people who have the potential to go on to bigger things and so hopefully hopefully if i can you know qualify off world rankings or off standard then things look good for budapest in august
0: kai last episode i made a few instagram reels out of it but there was one in particular where you were talking about the the hardest workout that stanford does where it was like uh, you, you start out with like a 600 meters all out and then like 400 reps and i think to this day that video has got like over half a million views so for the sake of the views kai i gotta ask was there a particular workout you did leading into ncaa's that really blew your mind and you walked off the track and you went to do your cool down with Charles and you were like, I can't believe we just did that.
1: My mind's thinking right now to one of the workouts that definitely didn't make me feel confident going to NCAAs. I remember it was, it was the one right after regionals and i have like historically, I think Rick said this in his podcast had, had issues with this workout. Like it, it looks so easy on paper compared to some of the other things. It's like the tempo and some Hills I remember struggling there, but I'm trying to think back for, I think this was in our outdoor season. We did this, I think it was like a pre-Fontaine style workout where it was the essentially like two hundreds, but they're like nonstop. And so it's 230 seconds and then 240 seconds and straight back into a 230 seconds. And so you never really get much of a rest. Like the 40 seconds is supposed to be your rest, but still, It's still moving. And so I think we did end up doing four miles of that. And that was one of the workouts that I remember sitting down mentally preparing and we were all pretty scared because we were, someone sent like an article in our group chat and it was like, Steve Prefontaine did this for three miles right before he was like in his best shape and won some race in like 1321. And we were like, oh, okay. Like this, this must be legit then. And I remember we go out there and it was the whole team, like, but it was only a few of us that were going all all four miles. And so we get through it and we're like, Hey, like that, that was pretty easy. Like we, I think, I think we could have done six miles of that. Like it was something where, you know, we, we were doing that warm down. We had a two mile tempo in lane eight afterwards. That was just basically to get that volume up. But we were, we were talking during the tempo, and we we're like, that was, we we were like almost hyping this, this workout to be like one of the hardest of, of all time here. And we went, we went through it and we ended up getting four guys, four guys to finish pretty, pretty easily through all four miles. And so it was, that was, that was motivating for us. I think
0: Kai, one final question for you to top off today's incredible conversation for the listener at home who listens to this conversation, who watched on ESPN what you did in Austin, you know, winning both titles and, and just your career as a whole, they look up to you, they look up to what you've done, they look up to your drip with the long socks. <laughs> what do you want your message to be to the listener at home, takeaway message from from your past season and everything you've accomplished in your journey thus far?
1: I'd say to just back yourself. I mean, everyone everyone has their tough days, especially especially us. And so it's, it's not something where, you know, you're in this alone, like keep your head up, like you'll, you'll get through it. And it's not just, I guess, running, like it applies to, to life, but you know, in running, like you get a setback, put it to the side. There's, there's the saying, like had that goldfish memory, you know, you take a loss, move on, like a win, a wins on its way. And so I feel like that's, that's probably the takeaway. Like, no matter, no matter how, how hard it is, like, you can keep going. You can keep pushing through.
0: Kai, always a pleasure running it back on the podcast. Uh, excited to see you rip it tomorrow. It's also a little fun that like, I know this will come out after the fact. So if you do something special, it'll be like, oh, (laughs) hear the podcast the day before. And if you don't, it's like, oh, he's going to attack the next race just as much. So appreciate you doing this and uh, best of luck with everything upcoming and my sincere congratulations on all of the success this past season. Uh, I saw it. I saw it coming. I'm not I'm not sure I would have put money on you to win both, but you can never bet against the Stanford boys. So uh, appreciate you doing this.
1: Thank you very much for having me on again.
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Running Effect with Dominic Schleter. I don't take your time for granted and I hope that today's episode impacted you and left you walking away inspired and all the more motivated to chase after your biggest goals and walking away a better version of yourself. Make sure you're following the podcast, have given us a five-star review and consider sharing with a friend. Through that, we can reach new people and hopefully inspire them in the process. Also, make sure you're following us on social media at The Running Effect to stay up to date on all the exciting projects and all the new episodes coming out generally we release two to three episodes per week so stay tuned for all of those coming your way shortly i hope you're running and life is going well guys keep chasing mastery and i will catch you in
1: next episode